Hello and welcome again to Irreligiosophy, where it has been ten days since a Thai child has died in Charlie's basement. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Two days. <laughs> what? When did the last one die? It I haven't even been over to your house in a week. He was mouthing off about, you know, All I get to eat is bread! You know what? Just for that, punish all Thai children with just water for a week. <laughs> All right, we got uh, um, a lot to do today, so let's jump right into it. What do you think? I, I think we better get to it, or, or we're going to be here all night. Should we hit uh, reviews first? Um, I believe uh, we should hit reviews first, and uh, there are two reviews that I'd like to bring up. The first one, it, it just barely came in today by The Shadows Over Innsmouth. It's a five-star review, and uh, the, the point I would like to make about this is he says the show is half lowbrow, Beavis and Butthead humor, half Doc and Scholarship, first-hand experience, half two buddies sitting around chit-chatting over a beer, and 100% fun. Please, for the love of God, were you trained in mathematics in Alabama? That, uh, that seems right. That all adds up. <laughs> half, 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 100. <laughs> <laughs> he says, in a decently run universe, these guys would have a weekly TV show. Um, My God, if there are any producers out there, we would go on TV. I could make a fool of myself every week. Look, we couldn't even win the 2009 podcast People's <laughs> Choice Award for Religion and Inspiration. Uh, the most insignificant award ever created. <laughs> no way we're going to get a TV show. Uh, the review I wanted to go over is um five-star review from The Gunner's Dream. The title is, Con! Oh, for the love of God, you are such a geek. <laughs> what movie you was that from? that one up? What movie oh, was that let from? me think. Uh, the one you have memorized, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. Ah, very good. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Did I get your attention? Excellent podcast. Just one thing. Why don't you two just run off and get married already? We've already answered this. It is not legal in Utah. Yes. Otherwise, we we'd do it. Yeah. We'd be the first ones. In fact, uh... If it ever does become legalized, I think you and I should go down and do an entire podcast while trying to get married. By Chris Butters. <laughs> <laughs> we'll write that, him an email requesting him to marry us. I would do. I would pay any amount of sums to see uh, Chris Butters marry you and I. How about Oh My Non-Existent Transcendental Being by Historical Izian? This has got to be the funniest podcast I've ever heard. You two nut jobs are piss my pants hilarious. Keep it up, because I secretly love to wee my britches. You know, I'd like to point out that Charlie was also trained in mathematics in Alabama because I said we were going to cover two podcasts, and he's already brought up three. You said we were going to cover two podcasts. Reviews. That's exactly right. <laughs> Who's the boss? Do I have to beat more of your Thai children? What else you got? All right, all right. Last and certainly not least comes from one more female listener only gave us four stars and her name is Sandrew's Bibliophile and what she states is one of the many things I have learned from this podcast is that in a review I should be relatively careful not to criticize any specific aspect of the show otherwise they are sure to continue to do it possibly more often this has got to be our smartest listener yeah. They're on to us, Leighton. <laughs> they? How many people do you think this is? This is one woman. This has got to be our smartest listener right here. That, that name's way too long to be just one person. 
That's you you've you're probably quite correct. Now, she does have one gripe about the show and she brings it up. Now, she points out that she is a bleeding heart atheist and uh this is what she states. I really love the effort this podcast puts into historical research and scripture analysis, which is why I will continue to listen to it despite some other minor shortcomings. I listened to the Christian persecution episode today and I think it pretty firmly solidified why it's getting a four, not a five. They took a bit too much pleasure in violence against Christians. Yeah, um, I do feel bad about that. I was it was rather callous, don't you think? Yeah, uh, well, I, you know, I, I gotta admit, she did kind of put us in our place. It, maybe, it, maybe it's too soon to be making fun of these Christians who muttered themselves eighteen hundred years ago. Well, you know, uh, it, it was only a few years ago that I became an atheist, and. Uh, I still feel my Christian roots deep inside, and I apologize to our entire audience for making fun of these dipshits going in there and calling the flames cold as ice. Yeah, we're sorry about that. Um, it really was. It showed a total lack of compassion for other human beings. And un- unfortunately, we must now pause for a commercial break. Have your friends compared the stink of your house to Jupiter's sweaty stones? Why, yes, they have. Does your house smell worse than Nero's vomitarium on a hot day? The only time it ever gets worse is when my wife is on the toga. Would your friends rather be twice crucified than set foot in your den of reeking stench? Venus is gaping hole. How did you know that? Then you need the new deodorizer of the gods, seared Christian flesh. Why, that sounds odor-licking good. Let's see how it works. All right, you. Throw some incense on this altar, or I'll burn that fresh scent right out of you. Never. I will not betray the man who suffered and died so that I may repent of sins such as betraying him. Okay. I'm going to light the fire now. Excellent. You might want to light a couple more places. Those flames feel cold to me. Hey, do you have any wild animals that can chew on my toes? Perhaps you can stab me a little, too, right here in the side, like Jesus. Come on, flames. I'm not going to martyr myself here. Ah... <sighs> The sweet scent of seared martyr, just like Mother used to make. It comes in two pleasing aromas, baked bread and burnt Jesus diaper. I'll take two. Act now and get a free Christian rolled in pitch to light your way in the dark. Why, I'll never stub my toe again. Seared Christian flesh. Mob requested. Procurator approved. Warning. Persecute with caution. May backfire and lead to the destruction of philosophy, education, freedom of thought, civilization, tolerance, critical thought, freedom of speech, witchcraft, and guilt-free sex. However, if left unchecked, Christianity may also lead to Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, Chris Butters, and Kent Hovind. Jupiter preserve us all. I believe uh, I'd like a torch to light my way. Yeah, you know, it is important not to stub your toe. Well... I've already stubbed mine, and it's bright purple, so I really need a Christian to light my way. Two of them. (laughs) Rolled in pitch. (laughs) And the nice thing is you're doing them a favor because they'll go to heaven, right? They they are sacrificing for Jesus. An hour of pain and then, you know, an eternity of heaven. So really you're doing them a favor. God, if a if a Christian light lasted an hour, we could make a fortune. That's better than GE. The light will last an hour. The screaming probably about twenty twenty five minutes tops. <laughs> All right. Um. Now we've come to that uh, part of the podcast known as the Mims Carter Skunk Dick of the Week. 
sponsored by the Bacon Gospels, available at lulu.com. This is actually um, a real sponsor. Can you believe that, Leighton? I, I don't know why anybody would pay us to do anything, but this guy is crazy enough to sponsor his Bacon Gospels out here. In uh, uh, This is a, a little... <laughs> Um, a recently unearthed document uh, that uh, is called the Bacon Gospels. And, you know, in honor of our sponsor, uh, I'm going to read a scripture a week for the next month from the Bacon Gospels. Are you ready? I am ready. Hit me down with the goodness. This is important because it, uh, this verse actually was instrumental in starting Bacon Mormonism. <laughs> uh, Oink, and it shall be given to you. Root, and ye shall find. Squeal, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that oinketh receiveth, and he that rooteth findeth, and to him that squealeth it shall be opened. Amen. Mmm, <laughs> that's finger-licking good. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of you might be saying, hey, they've sold out. And to you, I say, what do you think the whole purpose of the show was? Uh, God, it my- took long enough. Yeah, my God, why why aren't more of you sponsoring shit? <laughs> Get Listen, off your goddamn asses. I'll whore myself out to anything. You want me to sell cigarettes? I'll sell cigarettes. Women's panties? I'm wearing them right now. Uh, nobody's sponsoring the women's panties you're wearing. <laughs> what the hell, dude? I just thought I'd throw that in there, because uh, if they wanted to, um, I got it. I'm you ready. just want to wear that thong again, don't you? <laughs> For the love of Christ. <laughs> so, so who are our candidates for this this week's uh, Mims Carter Skunk Dick of the Week Award, sponsored by the Bacon Gospels, available at lulu.com? Well, right now we have, uh, well, three actual, actual Skunk Dick nominees. Uh, one of them is from a personal experience of Charlie's and I. Uh, another is uh, a preacher. And uh, the last, I can't remember the last for the life of me. That's that idiot who raised the... Let's start with this guy. Right. Randy DeMaine, who thinks that, uh, you know, any Christian uh, can raise the dead. It's not that difficult, and he gives you this nice little story. So I'm out here uh, with these guys, and all of a sudden we come upon this African woman laying uh, face down in the dirt, out in this tall grass, uh, dead. I mean, very dead, uh, where rigor mortis had set in. I don't know how many hours that takes, but she was stiff. If you moved... You know, one part of her body, all of her body moved, and so I knew she had been dead for a while. Now, I looked at her, and I looked at the guys, and and this is what I'm thinking, and and you just have to go with me here. I'm thinking, couldn't this have waited till I finished my message? This woman's dead. I mean, where is she going? Are you with me? I mean, I was not in a hyper-faith, super, you know, faith mode here. I was preaching a meeting. I was disrupted. I was brought to find a woman who was dead who certainly seemed to me could have waited until I was done preaching. Are you there? That's, that's kind of my emotional, uh, you know, place where I was right then. So I looked at this woman, and I was mad at the devil that he made her dead to interrupt my meeting. I was a little upset with these guys. And uh, I just looked at that woman and I said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come to life now. And you know what? She did. She sat straight up out of being totally dead. Her eyes were very wide. I don't know if she'd ever seen a white man. I could not imagine what was going through her mind. She jumped up and began to run as fast as she could away from us. These two African guys that were with me, they chased her down and tackled her. Can you believe that? I said, take it easy, guys. She was just dead. 
And he's certain the guy was dead because, you know, he is a medical expert. And not only that, but when, when you raise the dead and they run away, you should tackle them. Because that's the first thing you want to do to a dead guy who's just yeah. been raised. Yeah, this lady had rigor mortis, but apparently when <laughs> she was raised, she's all out. She's doing it, man. She's running a fucking track meet. They tackled her twice when she stole the money from the church. They yeah. tackled her again within the same day. No wonder this lady wanted to be dead. That is quite a miracle. So that's the first skunk tick. Number two is Pat Robertson, who uh, thought that the um, earthquake in Haiti was divine punishment for the uh, Haitians' deal with the devil to uh, get out from underneath the heel of the French 200 years ago. Oh, God. Just for that, I'm going to go beat one of the Thai children to death. That was... <laughs> you know, actually, that's why I beat that Thai child, because the Haitians uh, made a deal with the devil 200 years ago. So I thought, you know, why not? Just punch this Thai refugee. So what, you figure since they've both got dark-colored skin, you can just beat one and make it, up for the other? It makes exactly as much sense as God punishing people who are the great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren of the people who supposedly made a pact with the devil. You <laughs> that love makes it? perfect sense. God's just sitting outside time and space, taking a fucking nap. Oh, 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 good Lord, has it been 200 years already? <laughs> well, I guess now's as good a time as any. I'll just cause this earthquake. Yes, yes, and I think I better remind somebody of the reason why I'm causing this earthquake. Yeah. Hmm, uh, who I'll, should I tell? I'll reveal this to a washed-up evangelical preacher that nobody fucking watches in the first place. And he's the only one in the world that I'm going to reveal this to. Because it's so obvious, this earthquake 200 years after the event. Yeah. Everyone will know. All right, well, the third skunk dick actually comes from Charlie and my personal experience. Now, I actually manage a high-rise condominium, and uh, I got a call from one of the residents that a guy passed out on the lawn. So Charlie and I, we went out there, and uh, we found this homeless guy who was kind of in... He was drunker than a skunk, to say the least. He couldn't really even stand. And he was actually trying to make his way down to a detox center for the homeless, which uh, turned out to be, oh, about 16 blocks away. So trying to be nice, Charlie and I plopped him into the car. We, we drove him down there, and on the way down there, he gave us about four different addresses to get there. And so we looked up the number to the detox center. There was no address. We call up, and I talk to the, the lady behind the desk and tell her, A, we've got a drunk homeless guy in our car, and we're looking to where to drop him, and uh, B, we have no address. And she actually says to me, uh, why don't you hand him our number and have him give us a call in a half hour? With his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Because we all know drunk homeless people have cell phones. Apparently issued to all the homeless people in need of rehab. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be uh, the Volunteer of America organization, right, the Volunteers of yeah. America, your whole existence is to help these people um, detox themselves and get back on their feet. How about the address, lady? <laughs> Why are you hiding? <laughs> what the hell did she expect us to do? Drive around for another half hour and then have him call on our cell phone? We finally got the address out of the guy and dumped him off on their doorstep. But, I mean, so, goddamn, lady, you are there to help these people, and you won't even give us the address. 
All right, so those are the three skunk dick candidates. All right, well, I know what my vote is, and that's the Volunteers of America. That lady just pissed me off. I don't know. I, Pat Robertson, you know, for God to reveal this to a failed uh, multiple-time presidential candidate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, but it cannot top having a drunk homeless guy in the back seat and this woman not giving us an address. All right, let's put that in the computer. Stand by. Analysis verified. Oh my god, it's Mims Carter. How did that happen? He wasn't even a candidate this week. Alright, alright, alright. Mims, wherever you are, you're starting to piss me off here. <laughs> Would you stop hacking into our computer system to get your name on there? We understand the popularity you get from this award, but come on, let other people win. I am beginning to think something is fishy with this Mims Carter Skunk Dick of the Week award. You know, th there's just something about that guy that just grates against my nerves. I can't put a <laughs> finger on it. All right, now let's get into the actual uh, podcast itself, the subject material of the podcast that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, waiting for? They've been knocking down the door. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Carl Mamer, the Conspiracy Skeptic podcast, mentioned that, that uh, Reasonable Doubts mentioned our name, right? They said they had 10,000 listeners. Can you believe that? 10,000 listeners. Uh, that uh, that really points out why we lost the podcast awards when we've only got four or five. Yeah, we've had a confirmed three people clamoring for this episode to come out because it was a little late. Uh, well, that's why I'm so excited about putting this episode out. I mean, three, that's like 75% participation <laughs> from our fan base. <laughs> so last week we did pagan persecution of Christians, which everyone hears about, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this week, we're now going to go into the flip side, which you never hear about. This is uh, Christian persecution of pagans. So this is uh, the rest of the story. And, uh, my God, there was a lot to choose from. Yeah, um, a little bit of history. Uh, we ended around the ascension of Constantine and the Edict of Milan. Constantine actually... Uh, under Diocletian, um, the emperor before Constantine, Diocletian, uh, a little bit of Roman history. Let me let me digress a little bit and set this up. The 50 years preceding Diocletian was a time where there were probably about 20 to 25 different people who were claiming that they were emperor of Rome. Uh, massive disarray. A lot of these are Roman generals, right? That's always what happens, happens in yeah. Egypt too, right? <laughs> Pharaoh gets killed and... Uh, the, the, the army general suddenly takes is, over. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly he's royal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so really it's not royal blood. It's how many spears he got pointed at the other people. Um, so Diocletian takes over, and he sets up this tetrarchy where he's an emperor, and he's got another emperor, and then uh, they actually appoint emperors underneath them. So, you know, one's ruling the west, one's ruling the east. They've got emperors underneath them, so it's a tetrarchy. It's four people ruling the emperor empire. His idea was um, that when, when they stepped down, and these emperors were the only, I think, emperors ever to voluntarily abdicate their throne in the history of Rome, uh, Diocletian and, uh, and his buddy. Which is actually pretty impressive to give up that much power. Really impressive, um, since, you know, he fought a massive civil war to gain it in the first place. Anyway, his <laughs> idea would be that those other two Augustuses, the other two Caesars, would uh, step up, and then they'd choose successors, and this would kind of keep going. Well, that didn't last too long. <laughs> really? What a surprise. So when Constantine, Constantine uh, becomes emperor, is kind of one of the junior emperors um, 
he fights, you know, there, there's again kind of this massive civil war. Uh, he moves against Maxentius uh, in 312. Constantine invades Italy. Now, Maxentius uh, apparently had about four times as many troops as Constantine. <laughs> um, although, you know, they weren't the caliber of Constantine's troops. So, there's this big battle that's amassing, right? And Constantine says that he has a vision of uh, Cairo, the cross, the symbol of Christ, right? And uh -huh. uh, says, by this ye shall gain victory, basically. And so what he did was uh, he had his uh, men paint this sign on their shields. And he ended up defeating this guy who was um, far superior uh, numerically to, to his troops. And so that kind of was the beginning of uh, Constantine's Christianity. He saw this victory as a direct result of uh, the uh, vision that he saw, and he, he believed that Christ helped him on to victory. It's very interesting, though, that Constantine also believed in the sun god, Sol Invictus, and worshipped him to greater or lesser degrees uh, for decades after that. Constantine himself wasn't baptized until his deathbed. You know, what, what's very fascinating about that, especially, is in 324, Constantine declared Christianity the only official religion in, in the Roman Empire, and then in Asia Minor, he sacks the Oracle of God Apollo and tortures the pagan priest to death, and then he evicts all the Gentiles from Mount Athos and destroys all Hellenic temples. And then in yeah. 335, he sacks a bunch of other pagan temples in Asia Minor and orders the execution by crucifixion of all magicians and soothsayers. Easy now, you're fast-forwarding. At the time all right, of... All right, all right, I'm pulling in the reins, <laughs> calm down. At the time of this battle, that was about 312, right? A year yeah. before the Edict of Milan. This battle made Constantine kind of the... Um, the, the the dominant figure in the empire because this this no one expected him to win basically yeah. now there are other empires in the east or other emperors or two augustuses in the east um, uh, the senior of the two being Licinius um, and he didn't actually defeat Licinius you know here's the unraveling of the tetrarchy Licinius was a pagan and so that acted kind of as a check to Constantine's Christianity. Constantine was putting all the sorts of favors on the Christians, you know, confiscating stuff away from the pagan temples and pouring them into the building of the Christian temples and churches and basilicas. Um, but that was kind of checked uh, in the East by Licinius. But uh, Licinius um, and Constantine crossed swords, I believe, in uh, 324, 323, 324, and Constantine emerged in 324 as the sole emperor. So no more tetrarchy, no more four emperors. Constantine is it for the entire empire. Yeah, hence the now, reason he was able to declare Christianity the only official religion. Right. Interestingly enough, he, he declares it the only official religion, which of course is going to happen because he's essentially Christian and he's the emperor. De facto, yeah. you don't even have to declare it the official religion. He is the one who decides where all the money goes. <laughs> so it's going to be the Christian religion. But he doesn't make it the exclusive religion of the empire. He makes it the official one. Um, Which, it didn't become the exclusive religion of the empire until 380 under Theodosius. Yeah, Theodosius, what a dick. But, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and this is why I find Constantine so fascinating is, uh, I mean, he believes in the sun god, and yet he's out there 
and he's sacking the oracles, he's killing a bunch of pagan temples, uh, magicians, soothsayers, things like that. I mean, he's almost a contradiction in terms. Well, remember, early on, he didn't know shit about Christianity. All he knows is he saw the figure of the, the cross. Maybe some of his relatives were Christians. There, I think there was an undercurrent of this stuff going up. Maybe about 5 to 7% of the empire at this time were Christians, including some of the aristocracy. So he didn't know anything about it um, early on. But he definitely becomes more and more Christian as the years go by. And especially when Licinius was defeated, he has no pagan checks on him anymore. So now yeah. he becomes more and more Christian. He does start sacking temples, sack the Temple of Apollo, uh, torture the pagan priests in 324. 326, <laughs> he destroys the Temple of Asclepius. If I was Asclepius, I would have hit him with, like, gonorrhea or, or the plague or something like that. You go heal let's, yourself, you bastard. Let's get some good plagues out there. I mean... <laughs> Shit. You know, in um, in 330, Constantine confiscates the treasure of the Greek pagan temples, uses them to decorate his new capital, you know, Nova Roma, New Rome, at, at Constantinople. And this was uh, th this kind of program was continued by his sons. So in 335, Constantine orders persecutions, ordered again in 341 under Constans. 354, Edict of Constantius orders the closing of the pagan temples. Um, pagan priests are executed, pagan libraries are burned throughout the empire. We're losing a, a vast amount of knowledge here. Um, the Library of Alexandria, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, was probably burned down um, when Julius Caesar marched against uh, Pompeii, I believe, in, what, 47 or 48 B.C. Yeah. Um, but it had a smaller branch called the Serapis, or the Serapium. Uh, and, you know, I think at, at one point the Library of Alexandria had something like uh, on, on the order of 70,000 scrolls. Which, um, I mean, for those of you who don't know what happened with the, with the library, any ship coming in, they would have their documents confiscated, copied, and then they would get the copies back so the library could have it. It's, it's amazing, don't you think, that after centuries and centuries of uh, persecution under the hands of the Romans, uh, that you'd think that Constantine would usher in this era of tolerance and uh, um, equality that was unequaled, right? No, yeah. she was on the other foot. Now they start persecuting the pagans even more severely than the pagans persecuted them. They yeah. persecuted them essentially to extinction. Well, see, and, and it gets even, even worse when uh, 359 with Pope Liberius. Now... Not many people know about the Scythopolis, which is actually a death camp for pagans, where uh, they are brought out, tortured, executed, and arrested all the Gentiles from all around and put them in there. Now, the interesting thing about uh, this Pope Liberius is that uh, when he executed uh, people, he actually turned the temples into prostitutes, uh, uh, female houses, and, uh, well, they took the female clergy of all these pagans and they made them into prostitutes in their own temples. Yeah, Scythopolis is in modern-day Syria. This is actually the first uh, death camp that we know of that's been documented. So these are the precursors of um, the concentration camps of yeah. Hitler. Um, uh, the Korean death camps going on right now. I mean... Right. So it was an organized camp because there were so many pagans being uh, tortured and executed and, and in need of being processed 
that they had a death camp organized exactly for that purpose. They would send these pagans into this camp and they'd be processed and tortured and executed. So this this is a legacy of Christianity. And, you know, one of the arguments against atheists, you know, because atheists typically bring up the Crusades, right, as this, yeah. uh, or the Inquisition, as examples of, of Christian barbarism. And so the the Christians will say, hey, look, atheists are amoral. They have no morals uh, in them. So these, um, you know, executions under Stalin or Pol Pot, um, those arise naturally from atheism, right? Of course. Uh, but, you know, the people who were um, in the Inquisition, the, the, the Christians who were in the Crusades, they were um, going against uh, Christianity. Christianity doesn't teach this stuff, right? <laughs> and I'm going to call bullshit on that. A, because uh, within 10 years of the Edict of Milan, uh, Constantine himself is already sacking <laughs> pagan temples <laughs> and well, persecuting pagans. But also, remember Matthew 10.34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. These guys are following Matthew 10.34, literally. They are bringing a sword to the pagans. And I actually think that you're looking on Scythopolis wrongly. This does not even leak into the moral aspects of Christianity. What this is, is Christian innovation. They were the first death camps, and I believe we should applaud them for their innovations. Uh <laughs> What, no comment? <laughs> uh, you're right. Without the um, Christian death camp at Scythopolis, I would never have the um, 12 or by now possibly 10 Thai refugees working <laughs> their asses to the bone uh, to write jokes for um, irreligiosity. You are correct. Uh, Thank you, Christians. For all of our listeners out there, that joke was from a Thai refugee. If you don't like it, I'll beat him to death. <laughs> They're dropping like flies, so we appreciate any uh, comments or criticisms. And, any and feedback do, to do. teach them who's boss. Now, uh, the years of 361 to 363 were a brief return to paganism. Julian uh, ascended the throne in 361, and he was a pagan. Um, so what he did was he confiscated uh, treasures from the Christian churches, <laughs> gave them to pagan temples. Go Flavius um, Claudius Julianus. I love this guy. <laughs> and, you know, his, he, his reign was a short two years, um, and uh, he died uh, in battle, I believe, from a, a stomach wound. I think he lacerated his liver. Um, some people said he was assassinated by Christians, but I find that hard to believe when we have good documentation that he died of a, a sword wound in battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's kind of interesting because uh, with some dates I found, they said 26th of June, 363, was the assassina assassination of Emperor Julianus. And then, of course, in 364, you have Emperor Flavius Jovianus, uh, Giving oh wait wait shit that's Jovianus not Julianus shit never right. mind okay <laughs> <laughs> well that that just shows that we prepared this a week ago and we're just getting around to it excellent excellent in uh, 364 Emperor Jovianus orders the burning of the Library of Antioch death penalty for pagans confiscation of all pagan temple property now again you remember you know with the exception of brief periods of time. The persecution against the Christians um, were actually from the local mob of people 
who say, you know, we have a natural disaster, things aren't going well, so we're going to pull these Christians out because they're atheists and they're pissing off the gods, right? Very, very briefly was, you know, there were two times very briefly under Decius and Diocletian where um, there was an empire-wide persecution. Um, Here we go in 364. This is a mere 50 years after the Edict of Milan. Um, Now, instead of, hey, let's have tolerance for everybody, Christians included, now let's give the death penalty out to all the pagans, right? Yeah, anybody who participates in pagan rituals, even private ones in their own homes, are killed. Right. Um, They confiscate all pagan temple property during this time. And uh, though you got to remember this is a large empire, so uh, in, in various pockets people are resisting this, and the Christians had a solution to that. They would roam the countryside... <laughs> Destroying all the pagan temples. <laughs> Impressive. Christian innovation at its best. Again, uh, bringing a sword, not not uh, peace. In 380, Theodosius, Emperor Theodosius, puts out the Codex Theodosianus, which uh, makes Christianity the exclusive religion of the empire. And I'd like to read some sections from the Codex Theodosianus. By all means. It is our will that all the peoples who are ruled by the administration of our clemency shall practice that religion with which the divine Peter the Apostle transmitted to the Romans. According to the apostolic teaching and the doctrine of the gospel, let us believe in the one deity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in equal majesty and in a holy trinity. We didn't go over the Nicene Creed, but Constantine um, was kind of feeling his theological roots in 325 and brought all the bishops together. Uh, for the Council of Nicaea, because there are, mu- there are a bunch of heresies going on, right? The Donatists, the Arians, all these guys um, uh, are having different ideas about Christianity. Uh, Marcionites, right? The Gnostics. Uh, and so all the bishops come together, and they're kind of um, put together this creed. Is Jesus fully human? Is he fully divine? Hey, let's compromise. He's both. <laughs> <laughs> Is God That's what one you God? get when you're tired of arguing. <laughs> Well, that, and remember, the um, <laughs> the persecutions of Diocletian were about 10 or 15 years before this. And so there's a mention in the documents about all these priests who have, like, one eye, and they're all burned half their face, <laughs> limping around. <laughs> so, you know, they're probably not the smartest guys to begin with after being knocked around for years and years. Anyway, are they one god or are they three? Hey, it's both. <laughs> what the fuck? How's that? Don't worry, man. Trust me. And so that they get the Nicene Creed, which is still given today. Yeah, that yeah, well, was under Constantine. Now I got to tell you, my favorite from Theodosianus is whoever wait, should consider. Wait, wait oh. I'm not done yet. God damn it! Go for it. Fine. In a holy trinity, the rest whom we adjudge demented and insane shall sustain the infamy of heretical dogmas. Their meeting places shall not receive the name of churches, and they shall be smitten first by divine vengeance, and secondly by the retribution of our own initiative. <laughs> what the hell? If they're smitten by divine vengeance, isn't your own initiative, your own retribution, redundant? Isn't God <laughs> capable of taking care of it himself? Should, what, what implies smitten? Is there a, a nice hot breeze that hits him in the face? I mean, what do you consider divine vengeance? You can tell here Theodosius doesn't really believe in God or else he'd leave the whole thing up to God. He'd be smitten first by divine vengeance. But then, you know, Theodosius covering his ass. And if I'm not satisfied with divine vengeance, I'm going to kick your ass too. <laughs> Speaking of kicking asses, this is my favorite part. 
we decree hereby that whoever should consider that those who serve the most sacred law may be forced into celebrating the rites of an alien superstition. He shall be beaten with clubs in public, provided his status so permits. So if you're forced yeah. to follow the pagans, <laughs> you're going to be beaten with a club. Publicly beaten with a club. <laughs> How about this one? It is decreed that in all places and in all cities the pagan temple should be closed at once, and after a general warning, the opportunity of sinning be taken from the wicked. We <laughs> decree also that we shall cease from making sacrifices, and if anyone has committed such a crime, let him be stricken with the avenging sword. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 you forgot. And we decree that the property of the one executed shall be claimed by the city. And of that course. rulers of the provinces be punished in the same way if they neglect to punish such crimes. So right. you get in trouble if you're showing mercy. And, and this, of course, provides a massive incentive for false accusations, right? The same thing happened in feudal yeah. Japan where um, the judge, uh, if he got the guy to confess, then you know the judge would get all of his possessions for the crime, right? Yeah. The, he, the guy would be put to death, and he'd get his house taken, and the judge would get it. If the guy didn't confess, the judge's possessions and house and status would be taken and given to the guy who didn't confess. And so what they do is they take these massive rocks and press these people until they confessed. <laughs> Very few of them made it all the way to death without confessing because of all the torture. And, you know, the, the same thing is true in the United States where you have these laws that say um, – we're going to confiscate not only the drugs and the money from these people, but their houses and their cars and everything like that, right? And yep. so you get the police corruption where all these false accusations take place and these people's property gets taken. <laughs> oh, God, because there's an incentive built in, right, to accuse these people because you make money. So yeah. the, the the city gets claimed, the rulers, you know, get to claim this stuff, so it's it's wonderful. I, I I think you're going against Christian principles if you're saying that someone would take advantage of something like that who right. was actually a Christian. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen. Never. And, uh, of course, we have, let all temples in the countryside be demolished without disturbance or upheaval. I don't know how you demolish something without disturbance or upheaval, but... You That's do it very, command. very cleanly. Yeah. With their overthrow and removal, all material bases for superstition will be destroyed. And they didn't limit themselves to um, persecuting other uh, just pagans, right? In 385, yeah. um, Priscillian, who's an ascetic bishop of Avila in Spain, was put to death with six of his followers by other Christians for heresy. So they were persecuting everyone else. Now, do you? <laughs> this never happened with pagans, right? Certain pagan sects would be persecuted, like every once in a while, the sect of uh, the Pythagoreans or Dionysus, uh, because they thought that they were being taken away from the devotion of the state, right? So they'd outlaw the Dionysian cult because it was seen as anti-state. Yeah, um, yeah. But you'd never have people saying, my Dionysus is better than your Dionysus, so I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. I'm going to put you to death because you don't believe in the correct Dionysius. It that makes never sense, happened. Though. It makes never sense, happened. though. That way everybody follows the right Dionysus. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd like, to, I'd like to, you know, point out that um, this is really good <laughs> evidence for uh, the separation of church and state. This is why we separate church and state. So your ecclesiastical authority never goes hand in hand with secular authority. Once you merge those two, 
And the Christians ought to know this firsthand because they were at the butt end of the stick for the first three centuries. And then immediately, when that power is given to uh, the Christians, they turn around and they do the exact same thing. So um, the, the Christians today who are arguing, um, you know, the Founding Fathers never wanted separation of church and state, even though they oh, wrote a bunch of letters. shit. <laughs> Madison <laughs> and Jefferson um, distinctly saying so. Uh, it's wrong to separate church and state. The only benefit to not separating church and state is if you happen to be the one in power. That's <laughs> well, it. I, I think the reason why modern-day Christians feel that there shouldn't be a separation is because they've had it for the last couple thousand Correct. years, and they feel that they should continue with it. Yeah. They've been in the majority so long, they have no idea how it feels to be on the receiving end of that. Um, anyway... In uh, 391, this is still under Theodosius, um, Theophilus is bishop in Alexandria. He orders the destruction of the Serapium. This is the one remaining uh, library at Alexandria. <clears throat> this probably had maybe, I don't know, 30,000 scrolls, some smaller number than the, the massive library at Alexandria. I think there was an overflow at the Library of Alexandria of scrolls, and so they <laughs> moved it to this um, Serapium, this temple to the, the god Serapis. Yeah. Serapis. And uh, so Theophilus, uh, who's lover of God, right? That's his name, God lover. Yeah. Um, huh, well, I'd like to see that on the family album. <laughs> <laughs> he whips up the crowd, um, and they set fire to the Serapium, destroying the remnants of the library at Alexandria. Uh, you goddamn so, sons of bitches. I always get pissed off when I hear about this because all of the knowledge that was destroyed in the blink of an eye, that just pisses me off. But Alexandria was this, um, you know, powder keg at the time. They, you know, we're going to get into now the martyrdom of Hypatia. Um, but it starts, really, the story starts in 391 with the destruction of the Serapium. In this town... There is, uh, you know, a Jewish contingent. There's a Christian contingent. There's a pagan contingent, and the pagan contingent actually has the secular power right now because Orestes is the governor. Orestes is pagan. He enjoys the um, backing of the very influential Hypatia of Alexandria, who was a female, probably the last master of the um, or last head chief of the uh, library at Alexandria. She was a woman, but she dressed in scholar's clothing instead of the normal female dress. She rode around on a chariot by herself, alone and unaccompanied, um, and she was uh, looked upon with great esteem. She carried great authority in the city, and she backed Orestes. Now, um, Theophilus, uh, you know, his nephew Cyril, who succeeded him, wanted secular power given to the Christians, and he was pushing for it, but Theophilus or, uh, but Orestes uh, was saying, no, you can't have it. That's the, the secular authority should remain in secular hands, and, and you can deal with the religious authority. That wasn't good enough for him. So uh, at this time, um, a bunch of Jews came out, and they, they <laughs> lured Christians into the street because they're sick, I guess, of being persecuted against as Christ killers, and so they yelled in the street that the Christian church was on fire, and a bunch of Christians came out, and the Jews slaughtered them. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, what's the problem with these Jews? Can't they just be martyrs like the Christians? I mean, what the hell? Exactly. they got to be taken it meekly. Yeah. Like the Jewish carpenter who died for their sins. Exactly. So, uh, in retaliation, the Christians rose up under uh, Cyril's orders, and... 
uh, forcibly uh, kicked the Jews out of the city. Now, Orestes says, come on, that's not right. This is ridiculous. Um, you don't have this kind of authority to be laying down these proclamations. So what happens? One of, uh, one of Cyril's church members attacks Orestes and wounds him. Well, he was captured, and Orestes uh, tortures him and executes him. Well, Cyril starts saying uh, that this guy's a martyr. <laughs> <laughs> I love that turn-the-other-cheek mentality. Yeah, um, and Orestes would not uh, have any of that. Now, at this time, because Hypatia uh, is you know, so influential with Orestes, uh, Cyril and his Christians thought that she was the one that was getting in between and preventing these two from reconciling and... and you know, making Orestes a uh, Christian and baptizing him. So, Cyril's preaching against Hypatia, and Cyril's assistant, Peter the Reader, I don't know why he's called <laughs> Peter the Reader. Because it rhymes. <laughs> I guess he's, he's, maybe he does some of the readings in the church, I don't know, clearly he's literate, takes a mob. Well, I don't know if he's illiterate, it might be calling him like Little John or something like that, he's a big guy. Making fun of him? Yeah. <laughs> I, somehow I doubt that. Um, so this this Christian mob, led by Peter the Reader, Cyril's assistant, rush upon Hypatia, who's driving her chariot, and uh, drag her down from the chariot, take uh, these, they're called tiles, I guess, in Greek, which is either oyster shells or maybe potsherds, and they scraped all the skin off of her bones and then dragged her body through the streets into a temple and set her on fire. Along with her books, don't forget that. Of course, along with her books. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they scraped all the, the skin from her bones, and uh, amazingly uh, inhuman uh, treatment uh, of this uh, intellectual. Uh, let me give you two accounts, and I'll read both of these accounts. One is from Socrates Scholasticus, who's in the 5th century, so this is nearly contemporary. This this stuff happened, I believe, in 415, the year 415. Yeah, 415 was when it happened. Socrates Scholasticus says, Yet even she fell a victim to the political jealousy which at that time prevailed. For as she had frequent interviews with Orestes, it was calumniously reported among the Christian populace that it was she who prevented Orestes from being reconciled to the bishop. Some of them, therefore, hurried away by a fierce and bigoted zeal, whose ringleader was a reader named Peter, <laughs> waylaid her returning home, and dragging her from her carriage, they took her to the church called Caesarium, where they completely stripped her, and then murdered her by scraping her skin off with tiles and bits of shell. After tearing her body in pieces, they took her mangled limbs to a place called Cinaron, and there burned her. Now, the second one is John of Nicaeu, and this, even more than the um, association with Peter the Reader, puts the blame essentially on Cyril. Now, remember, John is a bishop. So he's defending Cyril's actions here. Uh, and in those days there appeared in Alexandria a female philosopher, a pagan named Hypatia, and she was devoted at all times to magic, astrolabes, and instruments of music. And she beguiled many people through her satanic wiles. So she's a witch, basically, right? Of course, of course. Any intelligent woman, essentially, is going to be a witch. Uh, and the governor of the city honored her exceedingly, for she had beguiled him through her magic. Uh, these Christians are idiots. And they posted beside... He's, now he's talking about um, the Jews. And they posted beside them at night in the, all the streets, the city of certain men, uh, while others cried out and said, The church of the apostolic Athanasius is on fire. Come to its succor, all ye Christians. 
And the Christians, on hearing their cry, came forth quite ignorant of the treachery of the Jews. And when the Christians came forth, the Jews arose and wickedly massacred the Christians and shed the blood of many, guiltless though they were. Well, yeah. they're martyrs. They're going to heaven. Who really cares? Yeah, just because the Jews don't want to be martyrs. Now, I have actually... Well, hang kept... on a second. All right. And the Christians mustered all together and went and marched in wrath to the synagogues of the Jews and took possession of them and purified them and converted them into churches. So they threw oh, all the Jews God. out and converted the, the synagogues <laughs> into churches. Not only did they convert them, but they purified them. And as for the Jewish assassins, they expelled them from the city and pillaged all their possessions and drove them forth wholly despoiled. And Orestes, the prefect, was unable to render them any help. And thereafter, a multitude of believers in God arose under the guidance of Peter the Magistrate, because um, this Peter was a perfect believer in all respects in Jesus Christ. And they proceeded to seek for the pagan women who had beguiled the people of the city and the prefect through her enchantments. And when they learnt the place where she was, they proceeded to her and found her seated on a lofty chair. And having made her descend, they dragged her along until they brought her to the great church named Caesarean. Now this was in the days of the fast. And they tore off her clothing and dragged her till they brought her through the streets of the city till she died. And they carried her to a place named Cinnaron, and they burned her body with fire. And all the people surrounded the patriarch Cyril and named him the new Theophilus, for he had destroyed the last remains of idolatry in the city. <laughs> so clearly the people of the time were responding to the preachings of Cyril uh, the bishop, right, at the behest of Peter the reader. So he was clearly preaching against Hypatia. Now this um, death of Hypatia caused a mass exodus of scholars from Alexandria, ending Alexandria's status as the premier scholarly city. They moved to Athens. Well, truth be told, I can understand why they left. Now, you think? Last, last week, I kept my peace. I, I was completely quiet and content to allow this to pass without saying anything where Perpetua was concerned. Now... Now that we've got two women, almost within a couple hundred years of each other, I have a problem with it. You have Hypatia and Perpetua, both obviously educated woman, women, and I think they are the downfall of things because of men's folly. Why the hell are these women educated in more than cooking? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hypatia is the last philosopher, the last headmistress of the Library of Alexandria. Uh-huh. Brilliant. Wrote treatises on mathematics, co-edited uh, astronomy texts with her father, and uh, was, by all accounts, an amazingly virtuous, intelligent woman, and you're wondering why she was out of the kitchen. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, was she a good cook? Because if she didn't master cooking, she obviously couldn't dress. She was walking around in men's clothing, so was her cooking all right? <laughs> good God. <laughs> now, what happened to Cyril, do you know? Um, how did the Catholic Church come to view Bishop Cyril? Uh, that I actually don't know. What did happen to him? He became a saint. He is, oh, of course. He is still recognized as a saint to this day. Saint now, Cyril. You know what I love? You brought up Theodosius. And in the 31st of January, 438, he actually uh, he put out an edict against the Gentiles incriminating their idolatry as the reason for a recent plague. Does that sound familiar? Yes. 
<laughs> I love how these religious people, whether pagan or Christian, anytime anything goes wrong, they flail about and say, oh, you're not worshiping our God, therefore you're the reason for this. Yeah. Well, um, some people pinpoint the Dark Ages as beginning in 415 with the death of Hypatia and essentially the destruction of Alexandria as a, a city of learning and education and civilization and scholarship. Well, wait, wait, when was Hypatia born? I because don't. I think that would be the beginning of the Dark Ages when a woman took over Alexandria. <laughs> it, it, it is also pinpointed um, to 529 AD. That was the year when the School of Athens was closed by the degree of the Christian Roman Emperor Justinian. Justinian, you remember how I referenced Pat Robertson saying that um, the earthquake in Haiti was caused by a deal with Satan, right, by the Haitians? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the Christian emperor Justinian corrects him. Um, <laughs> Justinian outlawed sodomy because, I quote, it is well known that buggery is a principal cause of earthquakes and so must be prohibited. <laughs> well, I know that that's what happens when I have friends over. Earthquakes all over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of scholarship that replaced Hypatia and Alexandria, Aristotle, Euclid, all all these all these people. Uh, you, you know, were, you know, brilliant. You know, we got the steam engine essentially. Yeah, uh, they were so close. Why couldn't we let them continue? Civilization would be much farther had we allowed that. And we actually, one of our first guest speakers, Becky Garrison, one of her. Ex, or explanations as to why Christianity was true is because it never went the way of the Greeks. And here, right here, you have Christianity forcefully stamping out any other religion. So that is the reason why they won, and it has nothing to do with God guiding this. Yeah, um, between the Edict of Milan in 313 and the 6th century, so we're talking 200 years, thousands of pagans were slain it was it didn't wither on the vine it was exterminated forcefully uh, forcefully um again you remember pagan services became punishable by death in 356 yeah uh and they uh gleefully carried this stuff out um and eventually uh destroyed all the temples uh sanctuary of um asclepius uh temple of aphrodite Aphaca in lebanon heliopolis um it goes on and on and on um pagan priests tortured and executed um you know it, it, none of this stuff before or after rises to the level of you know the the christian persecution today such as saying happy holidays instead of merry christmas yeah. or uh you know using the term b c e and c e instead of AD and BC. That stuff's <laughs> massive persecution. I don't know how the Christian tolerate that stuff. Oh, very much so. I mean, take like 580 where the Christian inquisitors went into the temple of Zeus in Antioch. They they the priests committed suicide, but the Gentiles were arrested and they were thrown to the lions and when the lions weren't willing to tear them to pieces, the Christians crucified them all. And then they dragged the corpses through the streets and, uh, you know, threw them unburied in the city dump. Yeah, that that has everything to do with saying happy holidays. That is on the same caliber. I would like to point out that in uh, the year 380, when Theodosius made Christianity the exclusive religion of the empire, Rome lasted less than 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> 
that essentially brought, you know, the, there are arguments that the downfall of Rome cannot be pinpointed to a certain date, um, that it was more of a process than a, than a, a fall, right? Uh, but the year 476, when they were invaded by the, the barbarians, um, Rome had not been invaded in 800 years. But, you know, you put Christianity as the exclusive religion of the empire, and within 100 years, your empire's done. All you have is Constantinople over in the east. <laughs> the, eastern, <coughs> the eastern empire lasted a 1,000 years, right? But again, by the end of it, uh, there was a famous quote that said, you know, the Holy Roman Empire is neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. So... Uh, you know, it's hard. You're hard pressed to argue that that Rome actually continued, but Rome itself um, essentially fell in 476, less than 100 years after Christianity. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that's that's some good governing right there. Beautiful. Um, so again, uh, strong argument for the separation of church and state. Um, and and you know, why do we never hear about this stuff in uh, history class? We hear about the persecution of Christians, right, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a big thing, and once again, it comes down to Christians have been on top for a couple thousand years, and that's why. And this is also um, an argument against gay marriage, because as we all know, buggery is a principal cause of earthquakes. Yes, yes, that's why San Francisco is plagued with so many earthquakes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, apparently, like I said, Pat Robertson was wrong. Apparently, there's a lot of buggery going on in Haiti right now. That, well, I can understand why there was such a big earthquake then. You know, Maybe it... <laughs> That this thing happens over and over again. These these um, natural disasters, you just assign them a divine cause. People did that um, in order to persecute Christians, and now Christians are doing it in order to persecute someone else. <laughs> so God will finally get around to punishing us 200 years later, probably for this podcast. Our, yeah. You know, great, 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 great grandkids in the year 2300 will be uh, zapped by God for what and we're doing today. I'm sorry, Charlie, but no matter how badly you want to start an earthquake, I'm not going to sodomize you. Again? <laughs> well, the the little earthquakes, now, we can't count. <laughs> now that you've learned it's a principal cause of earthquakes, I guess we got to stop that behavior. Yes, yes. <laughs> we really need to put a stop to that. <laughs> We're going to cause right. harm to all the LDS out here. All right. There are tons of other examples of uh, Christian persecution of pagans, but I think that suffices. I mean, that story of... Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Before we end, I actually want to bring up a very recent one, because most people think when they think about Christian persecutions against pagans or Jews, they think a thousand years ago, the Dark Ages, so on and so forth. But I want to bring up a persecution against a Jew in uh, 1851 was when this boy was born. So, I mean, very recently, he actually lived until the 1940s. Of course, and, you, you realize the title of the podcast is Christian Persecution of Pagans. What, Jews aren't pagans? No! <laughs> God almighty. All Pagan right, well, doesn't mean non-Christian. <laughs> sure it does. Anybody who's not a Christian is pagan. Were no. you not reading Theodosius? Oh my God. Why the hell aren't you paying attention to Theodosius? These are our founding fathers here. Okay. All right, go ahead. The Christian, the, the persecution of the pagan Jews. Go ahead. The pagan Jews. There we go. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, the reason why I want to bring this up is because most people think, oh, you know, Christians, as as they flowed through the Dark Ages, they became this this nice people. Well, what about this? Eduardo Mortara. He was this Christian boy, or excuse me, a Jewish boy, and he got really sick, 
And this little girl that served in their house baptized him because she didn't want him to burn in hell for being a Jew. And the holy offices in Rome actually took this 14-year-old servant girl's baptism as law and dragged him out of his family house and refused to allow him to grow up because in that time, it was actually not allowed for a Christian to be raised in a Jewish household. Well, of course not. Jews were Christ killers, and this kid's a Christian now. <laughs> if he, you know, What's he whining about? He should be glad to... Uh hook up with the Christ, the real Christians, the true believers. Well, I agree. In fact, even the Pope said, I couldn't care less what the world thinks, when all of a sudden he had the entire world going, whoa, now, you got to return this kid to his family. And then he went on to say, I had the right and the duty to do what I did for this boy, and if I had to, I would do it again. <laughs> well, sure. A, the, the Pope's infallible, and B, if he allows him to return to the parents, he might convert back into uh, Judaism, and uh, the baptism, you know, of course, would be null and void. Yeah, the baptism from a 14-year-old servant girl. So, um, yeah, so this stuff, you know, Christians, uh, Christian persecution of other people still going on, uh, amazingly recent. The past 150 years. Unbelievable that that could happen that recently. Uh, now, I realize the Jews aren't pagans, but I had to bring that up because, I mean, whatever you hear, it's always the Dark Ages or way back in the first right. thousand years. Oh, we haven't Not... even covered the Crusades or the Inquisition or the treatment of Galileo. Oh, or God, the uh... Crusades, the very first Crusade, they walked through there, and the only honorable man was Tancred, who tried to save people by giving them his banner, and the Christians still slaughtered the people holding his banner. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing amount of... Um... Death, destruction, misery, all in the name of this um, imaginary being, right? Well, um, you know that when they were going through the First Crusade, these crusaders were walking around the city slaughtering people so badly that they were stained with blood up past their ankles, singing, Christ, we adore thee. Yeah, well, it makes the uh, horrors of the Old Testament become more real, right? When they're you know, slaughtering all these women and children, and, and these guys are essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, um, and and I'd like to point out that the um, one of the counter arguments that the Christians pose about Galileo is that um, you know he wasn't uh, he wasn't persecuted because he believed um, in you know Copernicus and that the Earth revolved around the sun and the Bible said that he was persecuted because of the prevailing love of Aristotle, right? And this this Aristotle the Aristotelian physics stifled all this stuff. It wasn't Christianity. It was the um, esteem with which these people held Aristotle that was the stifling part, right? Yeah. Um, I'll call bullshit on that because <laughs> the history of philosophy is a dialogue. Um, Plato had a dialogue with Socrates. Socrates had a dialogue with the pre-Socratics. They, they put their ideas out. This is why they wrote them down. Plato didn't like the idea of writing and putting anything in a fixed form because it wasn't a dialogue that you could talk to the other person. Um, but he knew that he had to put this down on paper so that future generations could then have a dialogue with him. And that's what Aristotle did. He enlarged and expanded upon his ideas. When Aristotle was rediscovered, of course they had to rediscover him because they fucking burned it in the first place. 
Yeah. When he was God rediscovered, sons of bitches. they uh, thought that he was an absolute genius, and they thought that he was a pagan saint, right? And so the, this Christian mindset of authority is stifling to the scientific enterprise. Don't question Aristotle, because he's a saint. He's a pagan saint. He came to this revelatory knowledge through logic, right? Yeah. Um, and so you can't question him. You can't question the Pope. And this all came from the Nicene Creed, right? <laughs> Where they said, this is the Orthodox doctrine, everything else is heresy. So they put that same cloak on Aristotle. Aristotle himself would never have agreed to that. He would have said, if my arguments don't stand, then tell me why they're wrong. Don't just accept my authority. And it took the Enlightenment and people like Voltaire and Descartes uh, to question authority. And why this was such a revelation and such a, a, a revolution was the thousand years before this, where it's pounded into your head, you have to accept this dogma. If you don't, you're a heretic and we will burn you at the stake. Yeah, yeah, that's quite understanding of differing viewpoints. That is the heart and soul of Christianity. You strip away everything and you get uh, C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity, right? Which is essentially bigotry, intolerance, and absolute subservience to dogma, unquestioning uh, obeisance to uh, an eternal, unchanging dogma. Yeah, it and we're not science. talking thousands of years ago. We're talking recently. We're talking Kent Hovind. We're talking yeah. right now. Exactly, exactly. So whoever tells you that there's still not Christian persecution going on, yep, yeah, fuck you. I think we've belabored the point enough uh, yeah, for we, this we week. Yeah, we should really wrap it up. <laughs> so we have next week our 50th episode. Can you believe we made 50? Our 50th episode next week is going to be a guest speaker. And a surprise none of you get to know. And it's Mims Carter. Can you believe that? God Episode damn you, 50. it was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> We're going to have Skunk Dick himself, Mims Carter, on the show. You heard the it here first. <laughs> unanimous winner of every Skunk Dick we've ever had, Mims Carter is going to be on our show next week. Unprecedented. Bye. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no.